As we remain standing, let us recite together the Shema. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You may be seated. Well, Roger told you sort of why we're up here today. The, the, the professionals are out at a convention, and so, uh, so we're getting to run the, uh, uh, the, uh, this place. And I was thinking, you know, I know all of your secrets. Uh, I know when, that during the sermon, sometimes uh, your eyes get heavy, and so you may sort of uh, fight yourself to stay awake. I've done that before. Uh, other times, uh, I'm thinking about something else, and so I don't pay as much attention as I should. Other times, I, I come to church because I know it's the right thing to do, uh, and I'm sort of glad if the minister cuts his sermon a little short. That's okay with me, too. <laughs> and so, so I sort of know your secrets, and, and so you can do anything today. It won't bother me because I've done everything that you've done if you, if you don't pay a lot of attention. But uh, what, what I would uh, encourage you about, one thing I've learned in this experience uh, of preparing is that, you know, there are some people that put an awful lot of work into preparing, uh, preparing this uh, order of worship and preparing this uh, bulletin that we have. And just as a, as a tip, I would pass it on that... Uh, Take your program after you leave today and uh, take it home. And sometime today, uh, look through it. You'll be surprised at how it all fits together and how it all is speaking to us with one message. And uh, I'm just really impressed with the work that our professional staff does uh, every Sunday to help us really get into this uh, spirit of worship. And, and then the choir, the choir was great, as you heard and as you acknowledged with your applause, that Jesus really is a rock, and when you sing it like he's the rock, uh, it really comes across. Well, let's get into this uh, lesson today. We're looking at the first, uh, first Corinthians, this book written by the Apostle Paul, and uh, he's writing to this church in Corinth that was a Greek city, and it was a place of probably at the time he wrote it, which would have been about 50 A.D., 51 A.D. Uh, it was a uh, population of about 50,000. And, uh, and, and it was a seaport city. It was a city with loose morals. It was a city that uh, uh, had different kinds of temples where a lot of people worshipped different kinds of gods. And, and, and it was a, a place where... Uh, you probably wouldn't uh, hold it up as the ideal place to live. And so, but Paul went there and, and started this church. And he was there about 18 months. And, and as Aubrey said, in a really good way, she gave us an idea of what that church was like. And, but after, so after Paul's 18 months, and he probably has, has a church of about 100, that he moves on, as, as was his custom, to another place, and he ends up in Ephesus, and so he's still helping to start this church in Ephesus. 
Well, he's at Ephesus probably two to three years, and then he gets uh, uh, some people from the Corinth, Corinthian church come to see him. And they say that things are really not good at all. There's a lot of dissension in the church. And uh, people argue with one another. Uh, people are, uh, have conflicts about who's really the leader of the church. And, uh, and, you know, they're even suing each other, if you can believe that. And, and, uh, and then there are problems that are typical uh, in churches, uh, theological questions like, is it okay to... Uh, uh, to eat food sacrificed to idols, you know, or is it okay for uh, women to sit with the men in church? Fortunately, that's been resolved for us, so we don't have to worry about that one. But they were, you can imagine just the typical kinds of, of issues that that church had. And so, so one way, or I, I tried to come up with some contemporary ways to describe uh, that church, and, and so I came up with... Uh, with three that I read about, one would be uh, it's a church. Remember, it's a church of Christians. They're not atheists in this church. They're Christians. And so it would be like uh, a group of Christians on their way to heaven, but rather than traveling first class, they're just riding bicycles. You know, another way that you could possibly think about it is uh, it's a church where that they their diet is junk food, they don't eat really good food. They just are eating junk food. So Paul wants to help them understand where the good stuff is. And then lastly, uh, Pope uh, Pope Francis uh, mentioned in a in a talk that he gave a couple of years ago. He says, "When the church is closed, she falls sick. Think of a room that has been closed for a year." When you go into it, there's a damp smell. Many things are wrong with it. A church closed is herself the same as a sick church. So we have this sick church in in Corinth. And so let me read to you now the, the scriptures that we're focusing on today. And, uh, and I'm reading out of the message, uh, I guess a paraphrase of this. It was, it was clear for me reading out of this. So Paul says, or to put it another way, you are God's house. Using the gift God gave me as a good architect, I designed blueprints. Apollos is putting up the walls. Let each carpenter who comes on the job take care to build on the foundation. Remember, there's only one foundation, the one already laid, that Jesus Christ in other translation, Paul says, I laid the foundation, but he's, he's saying that Jesus Christ is the foundation. Now take particular care in picking out your building materials. Eventually there's going to be an inspection. He's talking about their life, about our lives. Eventually there's going to be an inspection. If you use cheap or inferior materials, you'll be found out. The inspection will be thorough and rigorous you won't get by with a thing if your work passes inspection fine if it doesn't your part of the building will be torn out and started over but you won't be torn out you'll survive but just barely you realize don't you that you are the temple of God and God himself is present in you 
No one will get by with vandalizing God's temple. You can be sure of that. God's temple is sacred, and you remember are that temple. Well, I think Paul uh, Paul understood that belief leads to action and that action depends on what you believe. The reason he's focusing on Christ is this, this understanding that belief, what you believe, where your faith is, that leads to action. And that your action depends on your belief, on what you believe. So he's trying to help them understand about what he has taught them and why, how they need to believe. And he, he makes three points. One, he talks about the foundation. So we'll talk about the foundation. He also talks about a, a building's not complete until you build on the foundation. So he's talking about what materials that they use on that foundation. And lastly, he's talking about what, what you end up with, and that is the temple of God. So in looking at just this whole idea of foundations, I guess, the first thing I remembered, I, I remember reading about the three little pigs. You, you've all remembered that one. And one built a house of straw and one built a house of wood and the other built a house of brick. And we know which one stayed. And that was the house made out of brick that took time to build. So you may not have thought about foundations since you were five years old, but, that, but you can remember that story. Uh, another... Uh, when I was also in my younger years, uh, growing up at the end of the street where I lived, the, uh, the, the, uh, they were started to build a house, but first they had to, they laid this concrete slab on, on, to build the house on top of the slab, of course, and and uh, after they poured the slab, nothing happened. They never did start building on it. After a while, there was uh, somebody put a sign out in front of that slab with the word lemon on it. And, the, and that stayed for years. And so, at, and I, of course, I learned then what a lemon was. And typically, if you went to buy a car, a used car, and it didn't turn out to be like you thought it was, you would call it a lemon. And so that, to that builder or to that, the owner, that slab was a lemon. And, uh, and I, I used to wonder why the builder or the owner didn't go ahead and build on the slab. And then I, I came to realize uh, and, and put it in this way, you cannot start wrong and expect to finish right. The builder understood you can't build a building without a good foundation. And if you start with a wrong foundation, you can't expect it to finish right. And then, then another foundation that I've come to understand has to do with uh, these buildings in Dubai. You know, they're building these tall, tall buildings over there. And, and the latest one was completed, I think, in 2010. They may be building another one by now. But this one is, uh, was 20, about 2,800 feet tall. It's 800 feet taller than the world, first World Trade Center in New York City. And uh, and that it's a, the foundation took them a year to build, 164 feet deep, 59,000 uh, uh, 
cubic yards or cubic feet of uh, concrete, and it weighed 120,000 tons. They understood that foundation was critical. And so, so Paul is understanding for the Corinthians that he needs to communicate that their foundation for life is critical. And so by, by saying that he laid the foundation and that foundation was Jesus Christ, Paul is also saying that he is standing on the fact of Jesus Christ and him crucified and that that's the most trustworthy event that he knows. Now, have you ever wondered, did Jesus really live or not? You know, have you ever wondered, you know, uh, is, you know what proof do we have? Paul... Paul knew and understood that, yes, Jesus lived. There's there's proof of the fact of the life of Jesus Christ. And Paul knew that Jesus was crucified. And Paul knew because he had experienced the resurrected Jesus. So that was a fact that was the most trustworthy fact that Paul knew, and he bet his life on it. And, And that is why he's saying that's the foundation that you can bet your life on. And so, so as he makes that point that Christ is the foundation and why he uses that as the metaphor, he's really asking them in so many words, what do you base your life on? What are your core beliefs that affect your actions and decisions? What do you believe about God? Do you have a personal mission statement? And if you do, what does it say? So Paul is reminding them that if Jesus is their foundation, he needs to be at the top of the list as they answer these questions about on what do they base their life or what's their personal mission statement. Now, Jesus, if we, if we say Jesus is the foundation, if you, if you expand on that, what does that tell you? What else does it tell you? And for me, as I looked into that some more, in Colossians, Paul wrote, Jesus is the image or reflection of God. So if you want to know about God, you look to Jesus. Jesus was the image and reflection of God. Jesus lived to show us the extent to which God will go in loving us. Nothing will prevent God from loving us. Not anything we do or anything we don't do. Isn't that a lot of what forgiveness is? We know that even when we do what we shouldn't do, that God still forgives. So if we then look at his crucifixion, the crucifixion goes, to me, shows God will go to any length to show me that he loves me. He He will give his life for me and for you to show that he loves me. And then his resurrection would prove to me that nothing can defeat God. So we've got a God that loves us, loves us no matter what, God that cannot be defeated. And and then if you move a, a little farther from Jesus and you think, well, what about God the Father? And then, and as I see it, you know, God the Father created this, all that we have. He's a creator of a good world. And so it causes me to think, do I love what God has created? You've heard that old saying that 
God don't make no junk. That's what Jesus is saying with, uh, that's what Paul is saying, that is Jesus is the foundation and the reflection of God, and he goes to all the extent that he does to tell us that he loves us. Then he's saying, I'm not going to put a sign on you that says you're a lemon. I love you like you are. The, the Corinthians needed to hear those words. And then, then lastly to me under this, this part of, uh, of, of relying on Jesus is that God communicates with us through his Holy Spirit. So we, we have the life of Jesus, we see that, and then we understand God is creator, and then that third part of the Trinity is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit speaks to us in ways in which really that still small voice, we can't really understand it, but it happens. I, I heard of a lady recently uh, uh, who, uh, who spoke that she was a Catholic nun and that, and that she had gotten, gotten a request uh, to, to begin to write a man that was in prison. And so she began to write letters to him in prison, and he, he would write back, and then uh, uh, he invited her to come see him, and she did, and she got real involved, and, and she was the last person to see that man before he was executed. And so she is now standing firm on the idea of being against abortion, I mean being against the death penalty. And what what she said was, you know, God is really sneaky. Said here, I thought I was just going to write a letter uh, to a guy in prison, and then God gets me involved in sneaky ways. Hadn't God spoken to you in a sneaky way sometime? You just wonder where did it come from? Where did that thought come from? Where did that sense of life come from? That's the spirit. <laughs> A significant time uh, is when the Spirit speaks to us if we will listen. Well, then last, then I guess the other thing is uh, we talked about Jesus using the metaphor of building on the foundation. And in the scripture it says, if you're living a life of love, you're building with gold and silver and precious stones. If you're living a life without love, as the Corinthians were doing to such a large extent, then you're, you're building your house with straw and wood and stubble. And that one day that's going to be evaluated. And that divine evaluation that we will all experience. And Paul says, when that time comes, be able to show that you're, you built with things of value, that your life has value, how you live your life has value. And so we, we can think, well, how do we, how do we live a life of value? One way is to look back at the scripture that we heard from Matthew where Jesus said, if anyone hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, he's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. <clears throat> so listen to the words of Jesus. If we're following the words of Jesus, we're building with good materials. If, if we're not following the words of Jesus... Our materials are lacking. So we talked about the foundation, and we talked a little bit about materials. And then at the, at the third thing Paul says is that you are the temple of God. And, and while maybe other places he may thinking individually that we're a temple, in this, in this book he's saying us as a church 
We as a church are the temple of God. All of us are the temple of God. And because God dwells here within each one of us, we make up the temple of God. And if we are the temple of God, we want to bring our very best to God's temple. The very best that you are needs to be here. And so the very best that you have is, is, is to love other people, is to forgive other people, is to, seek to, uh, is to seek to understand why we're the way we are and to seek to, re- and to reflect that to others. So our unity and our love in this church gives a picture to the world. We have met God in this temple in the temple of our fellowship, and we continue to meet God in the temple. So to the Corinthians, if they could understand that they were a temple of God, they would understand they have to treat each other with the way that God would want them to be treated. Okay, so just sort of in conclusion, we've talked about strengthening the foundation of our lives by remembering and betting our life on the truth of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. We've talked about building on that foundation. And so we build on the foundation of Christ with our time, with our energy, with our love. And then we remember as we, as we are with each other, as we are with our families, that together we make up the temple of God. And when we come to the temple of God, we must bring our very, very best. We should. He brings his all to us. We should bring our best to him. Now, you're going to have an opportunity to hear uh, the choir sing a prayer of dedication. If you consider making this prayer your prayer as a way of thinking about how will I build on the foundation of Jesus Christ today. And while you are hearing that, you will also be have the opportunity of seeing uh, Ashley Person sign this song. For me, she will be demonstrating how God communicates to us in so many, many ways and blesses us in so many, many sneaky ways. <laughs>